Hello everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. Hopefully a very positive one today after three victories in just over a week. From Everton, I'm your host Chris Beasley, joined by the Echo's Everton correspondent Joe Thomas and our Echo sport colleague uh, Conor O'Neill. Um, Joe, we'll start with you first. I mean, we both observed this uh, yesterday, this last week or so for us, if it feels like we've been doing a different job. Absolutely, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, I decided to enjoy my match <laughs> which, you know, I mean... Some of the dark days of, of of last season, even even before you got to the relegation battle, there's that week when we went to Newcastle and then Spurs in oh. space about five days and then another shot on target. <laughs> you know, you're just there in those grim one nil defeats where you just can't find any real positive and you're right the same again. And then can't be relying on Dominic Albert Lewin. I mean, can't be relying. You're just thinking, I'm stuck in deja vu. Mm. All feels like a long distance path now, doesn't it? Um, and yeah, it feels. Um, a very different job to even parts of the beginning of this season. Yeah. Um, you know, and another very, very good win um, yeah. to top off a, a fantastic week. And, you know, I'm all for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we all are. Um, Connor, I mean, did you think um, we, we were seeing that it was a great appetite actually for, for the stories we were writing yesterday? Do you think there was a, a genuine feel good factor being brought about an actual tangible change by these results? Oh, 100%. Yeah. There's obviously been a massive mood change, hasn't he, for a few weeks now. I think even before, you know, Palace and the, the points deduction stuff, I think there's been yeah. a mood change then, but obviously the points deduction fueled the fire, I think, of, of every Everton supporters and the performances, you know, the exception when United have, have matched that kind yeah. of thing. Bit of driver ambition. And obviously, you know, we're, we're all going to games, obviously we do different roles after the match. Obviously, yeah. I go down and speak to a player. It's quite refreshing to go speak to a player after a win because last season there was times we felt more of a counselling session with, with some members of the squad where you're asking the same questions yeah. and you know you need to start scoring goals, don't you? I mean, the reply would be uh, if we don't know, we're all really in trouble. And it was a little bit repetitive. Today. It was a little bit repetitive. I think now now there's a lot more to look forward to. Obviously, I spoke to Jack Brown for yesterday, and although we had on the side of caution, you know, one game at a time, and we'll yeah. get to a bit of ourselves, but you can see how everyone's got that little bit of a bounce and that little bit of a feel good factor about them. And that's becoming because of the performances. And if we're being honest, they're not. Yeah. They're not. Vintage Brazil, Barcelona actually performances in terms of the football and stuff like that. I think yesterday was quite a, a rugged affair for for large parts. It wasn't a great spectacle, but the big thing is that the fans know where to win. Yeah. And when you, no matter what football team you are, what division you're playing, if you can find a way to win, that is all that matters. And you think yesterday was two 0 in the end, and you know it looks quite comfortable, and, and all of a sudden everyone's all put up rather than down. Yeah, I mean, Joe and I were actually both concerned about the, the good weather on um, yesterday <laughs> afternoon. Uh, it'd been very wet, hadn't it, earlier on, and then the sun came out. Like, no, we don't want this. is far too welcoming. Um, but um, afterwards, when I was speaking to Maurizio Pochettino, he, he he was saying, wasn't he, that he felt that Chelsea were the better side, but Everton had to find a different way to win, didn't he, in very different circumstances to Newcastle. But, you know, uh, they, they got there, and in the end, it was just um, the same... Well, obviously it wasn't the same scoreline, but, you know, in the end it was convincing again. But, I mean, what did she think, Joe, about those comments from Pochettino? I suppose he would say that, wouldn't he, that his team were, were the better side. But he, I thought it was very good the way Everton won in very different circumstances. Yeah, it was very different circumstances. Yeah. But I think, to be honest, the comments that stuck in my mind as, you know, we sat there waiting for the managers to come out. Was yeah. Sean Dyche's post-Newcastle comments and what he said um, in the press conference after that game were one of the things that he said was that his favourite wins are the wins that Evan don't deserve. You know, the ones where they don't play very well, but they still find a way to win. I, I wouldn't quite go as, as far to say that that was a you know, 
that that was a, a, a clear example of that because I thought it was a bit more even than yeah. than, than Maurice passed here. Probably I thought I thought Chelsea for everything created the better chance in the first half, but um, they didn't create a better chance in the first half of the day. So I think they've won. Palmer, Palmer, me. Fourth, fifth, and for good save, didn't have a shot from distance. Yeah, that was it. And then Harris had the one that went wide. Yeah. yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought it wasn't a great first half. It wasn't a great first half, wasn't it? I'm trying to think. It's, it's all too much for this week. minutes of football just going on a different half. No, um, it was a bit of a stalemate for the first half. I thought Chelsea were probably the better side. I thought Chelsea started the second half brighter, to be mm. perfectly honest. Mm. Um, so I do think it was a you know, goal that came against Van Aert from Decore, and, and, and it wasn't quite backs to the wall, but the pressure was all coming from Chelsea for for, for, for that second half. Um, so I, you know, I, I can I, I imagine that yes, they was particularly satisfying for that because it wasn't like Newcastle where you know again in that game Everton created the better chance in the first half, but it was still relatively even, and then you know, Newcastle just started to come up on top end. Dwight McNeil scored after that, but I'm just absolutely right, yeah, didn't right. I mean, it was, it, it, it was fantastic to see. It was quite interesting because obviously you know, Pochettino comes out and, and, and says better team, and I tried to draw the short Dyke on that and said, you know, he says better yeah. team. What, 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 yeah. what, do, what do you think? And he doesn't like to kind of, he, yeah. he doesn't bite, fair play, fair play to him. Um, and he conceded that there are elements in which um, Charles were probably better. But it's precisely that point that, that you were just making then. You know, he said the, the important thing was finding ways to win even when you're not on song. And, yeah. That's that's precisely what Everton did. We we've seen very we've seen three very different types of wins this week, and I think that's probably the most satisfied elements. Yeah. Either back at Nottingham and Nottingham was Nottingham Forest was a it was just an awkward, messy game. But whilst there was a distinct lack of quality in that game, I thought Everton were the better side. I genuinely thought Everton were the better side. They just seemed more controlled and more organised and more deliberate in what they were doing and created the better chances. Then you had Newcastle, which I think Everton were, were genuinely the better side and obviously you know, they, they won comfortably in the end. But then you had Chelsea, where I think it's fair to say Chelsea were on top for various bits, whilst also acknowledging that they didn't really create too many clear-cut opportunities. Um, but again, Everton found a way and, and I'm sure that the, Sean Dyche takes immense satisfaction with a year from leaving that stadium last night with those three wins. I think the big thing was it was that Chelsea probably said in the first half used the ball better. Yeah. And kept the ball better than Everton did. Yeah. Probably put passes together and you know I think Woodbrook obviously had the, the beat of Ashley Young's on a number of occasions in that first half an hour and everyone was sat there a little bit nervous thinking Trump was going to come up this eventually. Um, but like Joe says they didn't really create any chances and then second half obviously they had a lot of possession again but Everton just dug in deep didn't he put bodies on the line and, and defended well and I think, you know, what we are seeing though is the mentality, isn't it? Of that, we just, you just dig in. I mean, Jared Brown waited afterwards about at half time. You know, Daesh said to Devon to play, he said, oh, we've got some time legs out here, but just dig in and find a way to win. You know, it's as simple as that, really. And I almost think now Everton are reaping the benefits of them simple messages from Sean Daesh because I don't think he's a man who likes to overcomplicate things. No. I don't think he's a man who overthinks things and he just wants the simple basics to be done. And if you do them, see the best of your ability, you've got a good chance of winning. I think what we've seen in recent months is, do the basics well, get the work, and, and it does lay a foundation to build yeah. on it and, and, and pick up three points. Yeah, it struck me is just really different. I'd be interested to see your thoughts on this. I thought there was a completely different atmosphere on before the kickoff of Nicholas Jackson and Nathan Patterson. You know, on the final whistle, just um, you know, the initial reaction from the Everton players. 
I thought it almost felt like a very different kind of reaction to a lot of the other wins that they've had under Sean Dyche in the past 18 months. You know, normally, you, I appreciate everyone normally at different ends, but normally you know, everyone congregates in the middle and then it's a, you, they kind of go over the customary to the, to the Gladys. But players were spread out all over the pitch on the final with season and they celebrate with the stands around them. And it almost had a bit of like an end of season party yeah. kind of vibe. And I, I, I was trying to think through this this morning and I was thinking it felt like yesterday was the first win in God knows how long that the Evan players could actually enjoy. Mm. The reason that I say that is every single win under Frank Lampard and every single win under Sean Dyke so far has been a necessity. Yeah. They've needed to win. They've been in re- they've been trying to get out of relegation battles, get out of the relegation zone or create daylight between themselves and the relegation zone. Mm. Same for everything. Even even the two, obviously, cut the courtesy of the points deduction, even a bit with Newcastle, obviously, you know, the joy of, of, of getting out of the relegation zone was also match with relief. There's been an element of relief and those wins have been necessities. Yeah. Whereas yesterday, and I appreciate you know, the results of the weekend kind of were just a little bit of a reminder that Everton still got a job to do even with their good form and even um you know, even even though the points they've truly amassed is far higher than, than the relegation. But it felt like yesterday was a game that they that they won and they enjoyed winning. And part of the reason they won it is because they started to enjoy winning. Yeah. Because that pressure is just starting to kind of come away from a little bit because this side isn't in a relegation battle unless further things outside its control happens. They've already had the greatest point deduction in Premier League history, great top flight in history, and they're still flying. Yeah. You know, it's only if further external forces or injuries happen and they have more, you know, really unfortunate time with those type of things that this team ends up in a bit of relegation. I just thought that on the final list, I thought, you know what, this there's a different type of celebration here that I haven't seen in about 18 months. Yeah, I could see that. But like, but like you say, that end of season feel, the fact that they were going around the pitch. It was almost like a lap of all. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously there's a kickoff and everyone jumps yeah. in. Like... <laughs> yeah. But yeah, definitely. Because um, you, don't, you don't ever want to use that phrase, free hit. But after the Newcastle United, people say, no, how many points would you want to take from these two home games? And it's, it just seems to be the case, isn't it? If you have two home games in the space of one week, you very seldom win both of them. It, it, it's going back even Howard Kendall didn't like that. Everton's most successful manager getting two home games under bounce in the space of a week. So it's come back with the maximum points from them and then on the back of the Forest result the, the, the week before. That definitely, like you say, it feels like real, a real added bonus for them. That's probably why they were enjoying it. I so think much. as well, the fact that they won two home games is massive mm-hmm. because there's always going into, obviously, the Forest game was a really good performance. But again, if come away, everyone wins. Now, I just need to find a way to play it own because, you know, you look at this season, you look at Brentford, you look at Carabao Cup, obviously, you know, West, West Ham, there, Crystal yeah. Palace. Yeah. They, 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 they've they been good on the road. I mean, they, they produced some really good away performances. It was the home floor that was the problem where you think, well, we need to find a way to win at home. And I think the last two games have shown that, you know, they can win at home. And, you know, I thought on Thursday night, the good thing was that Newcastle made two mistakes, essentially, and Everton punched them. We don't have to see that from an Everton team. And yesterday, it was more of a, David Moyes' performance, wasn't it? Probably dig in, battle hard, and when your chances come, make sure you take them and you're in a position to do so. But I think the big thing is winning when you don't have to really win. I know that sounds a bit mad, but yeah. when you think of, like Joe said, it me some time. Every time they seem to win, it was like, well, we can't afford to get beat today. Because, you know, you think of even this season, when ball have come to us and yeah. not quite convincingly 3 0. But you went into that game thinking, oh, if they get beat today, 
the questions are going to grow on Sean Dyche in this future because, and you almost start thinking maybe a little bit so, how can you defend this? Because if they can't pick yeah. Bournemouth for home, they've already lost to Luton at home, Wolves, Fulham, you know, it's looking a bit grim. But since then, they've really kicked on. And I think just the fact that they managed to now find a way where they're at home, it's, it's perfect going into what's going to be a busy Christmas and, and New Year. Yeah, I mean, I've spring to Michael Ball before we went on there and he's, he felt that the, the, yesterday's points were primarily won by the defence. I know your verdict, Joe, was um, surrounded uh, Jared Branthwaite, who, of course, will now be a big miss at, at Burnley because he's got the five yellow cards. Uh, same with a, a, a Drissa Gay. I mean, I mean, we're running out of superlatives to de- describe Jared Branthwaite. I mean, just what a revelation he's been since he came into the side. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's been fantastic. Uh, so we know Gareth Southgate was sat there at the box next to Kevin Bellwell and yeah, there are only one uh, a number of players current England players players on the periphery of the squad you know players that be looking to get into it for the first time or back into it like you know maybe even like Dominic Calvert-Lewin but you know I'd be very surprised if he didn't come away from there and impress with Jab Rankway and, and, and that his performance has been the one that Perhaps resounded with him, you know, more than the many others that he. If he hadn't come to watch Jack Brown's way, he would have left thinking of Jack Brown. Yeah. And yeah. uh, if he didn't, he's a madman. So, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, we spoke about it a lot already, but I think that you you, you look at the past four months for Jack Brown, you know, he wasn't even starting in the England under twenty ones squad yeah. for the European Championships. Mm-hmm. Spoke to Lee Carsley about that, and he was very impressed with his professionalism and his maturity. Obviously accepted that he was behind Taylor Howard Bellis and um and, and Levi Colwell, who obviously came on yesterday for Chelsea. Yeah, there's a it feels like at some point over the next two, three years that that England centre back partnership is is they're gonna there's gonna be a bit of a sea change, I think. Mm. Uh and I think that yeah, a number of players have been jockeying for position within that, the likes of, of, of Levi Colwell and, and Mark Wade, looking very impressive and Ashley Collins has had a wonderful season at Aston Villa. But Jared Branthwaite has gone from squad player in the other twenty ones to a competitive feature of that discussion. I think um, just because of his performances, you say he's cemented a place in the England team. He's captain in the England under twenty ones. Got a new contract, going from strength to strength. And I, I think I said this on on one of the podcasts last week. Uh, yeah, I think Evans' biggest battle is January, regardless of what's going on. On, on the pitch, off the pitch, well, I mean, that will have an impact. It's perhaps keeping hold of Jared Brown things. It might be the, let's say, repeat it, keep saying this again in the match report. But if there's any uncertainty around there, which there might be, you know, with the takeover and things like that come come January, then it might be the last chance that someone can get Jared Brown for a little bit cheaper than, you know, than, than, than what I think he will be in the summer. Because I think mean, once Everton, if Everton gets to a point where they're, financially stable and hopefully that isn't a million miles away from it then really they can set their price so, you know, it's, there are very many I mean, centre backs are in high demand anyway but a young centre back who is that tall, that strong that quick, can play with both feet you know I mean he's got the world at his feet hasn't he? I mean the biggest thing I thought yesterday was when he went down and he was in the first half the- and I think Gutherson was one hell of his breath while he was on the floor because he it didn't look great when he first it was he- a bit, sorry to interrupt, it was a bit, I think we've for all the progress that Everton have made this week, and for, as far as that's been, it's been two moments, hasn't it? Yeah, when Pickford went in yeah, 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 yeah. and Newcastle, and then Brantley for Because he didn't move, that was what got me. Cardiff was lying there, and I was thinking, oh, that doesn't look good. And I was in the physio, come on. And I, he, he, even when he came back on, he was trying to run it off, and you could see he couldn't quite move. And I was, you're thinking, oh no, oh no, because 
and that's the biggest compliment you can pay him that in the space of what four months he's now pretty much got you know good and holding his breath when he goes down injured and uh, you know you, you can't say enough good things about some Kanye because you're just like he's got everything and I think I know we said this on Friday and you got a little bit of stick I think it's safe to say from some of our viewers on Facebook so yeah. perhaps so we were auctioning trying to sell me we definitely weren't but when you think of John Stones and where he was at this point yeah. his career Everton he was by no means anywhere near the, Jar- the player that Jared Brown is at the minute and you know it's it's this this is Bradford still developer, then he's going to be one hell of a player. And the, the task for Everton is to keep him and you know build the team around him and, and all these other young players that we've got like James Garner and Amazon Arna, because you know the future is bright. I mean, you, know, you do look at that spine and think, well, there is a lot of good talent there and a lot of good players and the nucleus of a really good team. One of the things that I liked as well about um, this was after the game, but I'm seeing you see treatment on the pitch and then. And he was still hobbling, I thought, going into half time. So oh. I reckon he must have had a bit of a chat with the, you know, the with the medics during the break. And, and on the final whistle, you know, one of the first things he did was went to the touchline and shook hands with every one of the 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 the, yeah. the, the, the medical team, nice. that was, the fitness team that were there, maybe acknowledging that they'd kind of like patched him up or something like that. And it's just a little bit. So mm. obviously, Collie, you you with him after the game, like you, it feels like he's quite a grounded character as well, which just only adds. To, yeah. And you don't know whether now and this, you know, when he's off of the suspension, it's not great for Everton, but it may not be a bad thing if he has some, he misses out next week given the games that's to come. You know, you don't want to write games just off. Give him a like little breather. But if you give him a little breather, yeah. obviously got <clears throat> Fulham in the Carabao Cup, which is a massive game, chance mm-hmm. of them to enter a semi final. Then it's Tottenham, Man City, Wolves in, in a tight period. Three really tough games, which Everton need their best team on the pitch for. Where they may need a little break next week, might do the world of goals and give them a chance to reset. Well, certainly, um, this issue one, a credit goes to, has to go to, to Marcel Brands, because interestingly, John Stones was David Moyes' parting gift to Everton, the final signing that he made, although he'd never actually played until Martinez was there. And Marcel Brands not only just identifying Jared Bramfrey as a raw teenager who made just a clutch of appearances for Carlisle United, his early games at Everton, he wasn't anything like the player he is now, is he? But he then, Brands took him again to PSV on loan, and he's just come back at a totally different animal, really. I mean, so for all the the the, the stick and obviously a, a lot of that could could be vindicated at Kane Marcel Brands' um, way. Um, and as, as a top marks, I mean, he could make. I mean, I could go uh, potentially auction him off. I was going to say he could make Everton a lot of money, but he could. Uh, what he could do is, along with those young players you, you mentioned there, Connor, could be the spine round a potentially exciting young team to to move to the new stadium. I mean, uh, we move on. To, to um, other players who, who featured prominently. I mean, um, 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 again, that back four, Vitaly Mikolenko, Joe. I mean, he's just been, it's just been a t- it's talking about transformations. If you compare what, what he was like, say, a, a year ago to the performances, maybe even the end of last season, the performances that, that the team are getting out of him now. Yes, quite interesting. I think there was a big interview with him in the in, um, programme talking about how he's had a hip injury. But, yeah. you know, since early 2022, he's only just started to kind of come, you know, feel like he's got the, the getting his true fitness back. Um, he just reminds you, obviously, there's always so many things going on that you just have absolutely no idea about. Obviously, we, we know about his, his family situation and what's going on in Ukraine. So, I mean, he's, he's been a revelation. It's been quite nice as well because obviously what stood out a month ago is... His attacking prowess, obviously, he scored those two early goals and he gets Brighton and Crystal Palace. And then, then he comes back to remind us about how good defensively he is. And he was excellent again. And, yeah, I thought 
there was a, there was one goal saving tackle he put on in the second half. I don't know where he came from. He just came from nowhere to tackle something behind and get a block in, and it was huge. And it seemed to spark this almost like this mad fifteen minute period where he was just everywhere. <laughs> he was just everywhere. Uh, you, know, you you look at the players that he has shackled this season so far. Like I thought he did an excellent job on, on, on Saka uh, against Arsenal. Obviously, yeah. It's easy to overlook these things because obviously Evans still lost these games. I thought you know he he largely kept Saka under wraps at the time and Arsenal were absolutely flying. He did an absolutely wonderful job on Mo and again, you know, obviously Mo Salah scored two, but the circumstances have been well covered. Um, mm. You know those late goals and and, and perhaps the 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 you know, the, unf- the unfairness with which Evans were treated in that game before it got to that stage. But again, I thought he did a wonderful job on 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 Salah and you know. He's just adding, he's just adding wingers and upcoming stars to, you know, to to to, to his list of players he's kept on the wraps. Doesn't he? Obviously, you know, Gordon had a little bit more joy on 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 Thursday once he left Coleman, switched over to the other flank. But um, yeah, yesterday he thought he did a reasonably decent job on old Cole Palmer, and yeah, it's quite clear old Cole Palmer wants to do because he did it time and time again. He's yeah. kind of side <laughs> from the right hand curl one over his left, and he got close with a couple, but. Yeah, Mikolenko was absolutely superb. Tarkovsky was very good. Mm. Um, and, you know, I like Nathan Patterson when he came on. You know, he's got a... He, maybe he's got an opportunity. James Coleman's touch and go for Burnley. They're not quite sure. Ashley Young, both he and Sean Dyche both said they hoped it was nothing serious yesterday. Um, obviously, that'll be analysed over the coming days to see what he does. But it might be that... Dyche's hand is forced and Patterson has to come in against Burnley. It'll be a big opportunity for him. Like I think we all, you know, we, we've mentioned it so many times that we'd like to see him given an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been times in his Everton career already when he has taken the opportunities when he's got them. It's had injuries that have held him back, not a form that have led to him coming yeah. out the side. Um, but hopefully Burnley will be a, an opportunity for him. Hopefully it'll be one that he takes because again, we talk about players for the future. Or, you know, we've got 35-year-old Coleman, 38-year-old Young both out of contract at the end of the season. Yeah. You know, wouldn't be hugely surprised if, if you know Coleman could probably stay for as long as he wants. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, it it's fell for a long time. Like Deitch perhaps doesn't quite trust Nathan Patterson. Um, he goes out of his way to mention about him positively in press conferences when he gets the chance to. But um, you know, he hasn't really backed that up necessarily with with the opportunities he's given to him, but. Again, if, if Patterson can get in and, and cement his place there and show that he's learned over the 18 months he's been at Everton, then, you know, it's another area that Everton go from strength to strength going to you know, next season. It's another area that doesn't need addressing in the transfer market, so they don't need to spend money. And, you know, it's another young player that's forming a core nucleus. And, you know, we write about this even around the time of Bournemouth, saying, you know, there are things to still get positive about. You look at Brian Foy, you look at Garner, you look at McNeil. Um, you and, and and a few others and, and and their ages and Patterson's amongst that little clutch of players there that could be the foundation for the foundation being built now. Um, but these could be the players that, that build for you know build the next layer on top of it and really help make this progress sustainable. Yeah, I think it's about the same as Mikel and Cole. I think me personally got to eat some humble pie. I think <laughs> I have major doubts about. I think, I think a lot of us did. Yeah, yeah, bad. Yeah. And one of the game that always felt to me was Doncaster away, where I think to say to one of the worst players in the pitch that night, and Everton playing bottom of League Two. Yeah, and I, I remember coming on from that. Me and Joe asked after the scene if we could say the same from Doncaster that night. Joe, well, see, 
It would have been seen at one o'clock in the morning. But I remember you think, well, you know, where does he really go from here? Because he's just really struggled there in League Two, and you know he's been a lot injured. And actually, young at the time, was getting favoured over him to play left back. And you think, well, where does he really go from here? Obviously, he stuck at it, and he's now reaping the benefits. And the big thing for me was when they, they played Liverpool. Actually, Van Dijk said after Van Dijk name checked how well he done against Salah. Yeah, and I thought well, that's something because if that shows that Liverpool best well, one of Liverpool's best players, as they say. That lad Everton have just done really well against our best player. And also the fact that he seems to have this unfortunate way. Most weeks he marks he's the seen best player. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he always seems to end up with either the most informed player of the opposition or the best player of the opposition. Yeah. And even sometimes when we watch the stick like my kind of stuff like the bang average yeah. the wing, you know, you know, or so I think he's done he's done remarkably well. You mentioned Van Dyke there, I mean obviously no stretch, obviously Liverpool top of the league. Well, I don't want to talk about them, but Top of the league, but McLean and Bradford both be silent right now. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone will dispute that. We have to yeah. bring bring back our Everpool um, and the season <laughs> and the year eleven that Mr. Prentice used to do. But uh, yeah, I think he's just done he's done remarkably well as McLean. Cause I think when you look up where he was, where he's been, even like Saka, you know, he's done really well. against Saka didn't he for Arsenal when yeah. everyone had to say us that day, and you know he, he now looks a, a fully functioning Premier League defender, both from an attacking point of view and defensive point of view. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing as well, because he was always questioned about fault going forward. Yeah. But I think he's really caught leaps and bounds in, in recent weeks with that. I think he's one of them as well as he's clearly got in there. He's listened to what Sean Dyche had to say and what Sean Dyche's coaching staff want to do with him. And now the benefits. He's probably a bit of a poster boy in terms of if you do listen to Sean Dyche, Ian Moore and Steve Stone, take their advice on board, do what they tell them to do. This is the end product. And, you know, they probably should be all able to have place around the dressing room. What's the same? Yeah. Um, the other end, um, our regular guest Gavin Buckland, unfortunately, can't be can't be with us today. But he, he was waxing lyrical, wasn't he, about Jack Harrison and the supporter <laughs> striker role? He wanted to see that continue um, against uh, Chelsea. It didn't. Jack was back out on the wing. Uh, um, Abdelaide Decore was back there supporting Dominic Calvert Lewin. And I said, Joe, after the game, I mean, I've compared him. So haven't haven't had this for a long time now since the David Moyes era, whether it be Tim Cale or even Marouane Fellaini towards the end there. Somebody who can knit that attack and. Uh, midfield together and provide those goals from the attacking midfield position that's I, I, you know Gav's not here to defend himself and you know say why he made a, a strong case for Jack Harrison there but that's why Abdoulaye Decore is in that position yeah I mean he knits things together in a very different way to think yes. how Gal Gav was meaning yeah um, you know he, he, he's someone that you know Evans said in midfield and, and, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin is often quite significant gaps between them and and the only way that they feel is because yeah to the Corey has just absolute boundless energy uh you know his fitness levels really he's, he's the wrong side of 30 now you know, he's, like he is not quite box to box but i mean he's <coughs> he's he's 30 yards out from everton's areas all the way to the you know to chelsea's goal and he, he got another goal there didn't he i mean it's just just so physical and strong isn't he and he's quite quick uh, I think he's just someone that's really. I think he, he's he's a type of, you know, almost attacking midfield support striker. I don't think many Premier League defenders come up against very often at the minute. You know, it feels like we're in living in an era of number tens. Yeah, and you know, Abdullah Corey is, is is a very different challenge because he's someone that will just run straight at the heart of you. Um, and I think he's someone that's probably a lot of naivety and complacency around whenever teams are lining up and thinking, well, perhaps don't need to do the hard yards on him because they don't believe he's necessarily got the technical ability. And, you know, he might 
not have the same levels of technical abilities as, as, as some of the other players that we've seen who do so well in that that role, likes of you know Eberetchiesi we saw at Palace, or even someone like a you know Cole Palmer from from yesterday. But what he doesn't quite have there, he just makes up with with absolutely everything else that he does. And you know, I mean, again, we're in danger of repeating ourselves, but nobody has been more important to. The survival of yeah, to to Everton under Sean Dyche and Adelaide and bringing him from the in from the cold, once he was frozen out under Lampard, you know, was a decision that just had immediate re, uh, rewards for Dyche, and he just keeps repaying, keeps repaying, keeps repaying. And you think back to you think back to January of last year, and you've got Decore not being involved, and you've got Dwight McNeil on the periphery really struggling. And you look at those two players and everything that, that they've done since under Dyche, like it's absolutely not all the goals they've scored and the roles that they've played and keeping everything up and then laying this foundation for this season. It was quite one thing, obviously, you know, we, we spoke about Jack Harrison, the through ball he played for Dominic Calvert-Lewin against Newcastle on, on the pod on Friday and, and I was saying how it's been a long time since I've seen anybody play such a cute ball from this Everton side that kind of, you know, helped... Um, Calvert-Lewin breakthrough with the fence, so she didn't take that opportunity. It's quite nice that we saw very similar again for Abdullah Decore's goal yesterday because it came from Dwight McNeil again, yeah. that just little cute through blood. I don't know if... Maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe it's these players are just starting to kind of, you know, believe, have belief that they have the freedom to do this. Maybe, maybe for 10 months or so, the the bliss to miss that Sean Dyke has been trying to instill in his team has been because the pressure has been so high on all these players and because a lot of them are fighting for their Premier League careers, both in terms of against relegation and to be kept on and not sold at a club which has been willing to listen to offers for so many of its players. You know, maybe those words have been a little bit hollow and maybe it's only now that he's really started to instill that mentality because they're getting the results that are giving them the platform to express themselves more. Am I seeing this same group of players start to evolve and play different types of football and yeah, they grind out different types of wins as well and it's it's just so good to see. It's still an Everton side that really only has a plan A, only has one way of playing but then it seems to be able to adapt that you know, it seems to be able to survive kind of micro changes to it you know it, it, so if someone like obviously we saw, you know, if James Garner comes out so you know, Colin comes in a younger Harrison get moved around it can it has one system of playing but it seems to have multiple ways of playing that system yeah. um, which is probably the very very best that Deitch can do at the minute given the, the limited resources at his disposal and he deserves a lot of credit for that I think the best thing about Decore is and probably the most frustrating thing at times about his, his unpredictability yeah. you obviously always going to do it yeah? so uh, the opposition can't plan for him because all the deal and you know the arts, I mean he was a side yesterday I think where he got the ball and he had three options and you know, picked up completely the wrong pass and, and give the ball away cheaply. And that's what he can yeah. do. You know, he is capable of, you know, not being able to play the simple way, perhaps. But on the flip side, the energy, the drive, the determination, and also now his finishing ability, which is clearly coming up some bounds and he should just make, make him, you know, one of the, the standout names. And like I say, though, I think that the best thing about him is doing predictability, although it can be frustrating at times because you know, don't quite know what he's going to do. And, the most simple thing perhaps looks the hardest thing for, for him to do. But he's just, I think he's, <coughs> the way, he, I mean, I've been fortunate to speak to him a few times. Yeah. Obviously, the question always gets asked about what Sean Rice should do and what's going on. Yeah. 
And I always think he just it's like he's so brave for him to give her a second opportunity. I think I think he genuinely did think that his Everton career was over. Yeah. And I think he genuinely did think that, you know, he was a he was always waiting in January or he basically was if he didn't leave, was going to be spending the next four months of the season frozen out and probably trading by himself and not get a look in. Um and for Sean Dice to come in and give him that other opportunity and basically kind of go, well, the way I want to play, you can be a focal point, a key person behind. You know, it's just blossom. You already wrote his name into the club's history books in the ball yeah. form up on the final day of last season. But now, if it, hopefully, they'll be doing it for the right reasons rather than, you know, just kicking them from the, the Premier League. I think it's important that kind of humility is recognised mm. as well because I remember, feels like so long ago now, but obviously, summer of last year, being out in America with, with, with Everton and speaking to the Corey, and, you know, kind of. Back then, he was saying about how much he, he wanted, you know, he loved the club and wanted to commit his long term future. And, and okay, obviously, this is a player that, you know, time would have been, you know, 30 and one year on his deal. And, and you know that, like, obviously, you know, for his own reasons, for his own personal reasons, he'll be wanting to try and say the right things to, to do that. <clears throat> obviously, things didn't work out for him, but under Lampard, but you know, he kept that, it took the chance when Deitch came. But even, even after Brighton, yeah, that 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 huge win um, back in May uh, uh, this year, the one that made sure that Everton's fate lay in their own yeah. hands. And obviously, you know, again, he he scored in that game. That's right. Just another one of, 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 the, of the big performances um, from him at, at, at a crucial time. And it wasn't long after that that Everton, you know, renewed his contract, gave him an extra year. But I can remember speaking to him after that game and asked about his contact situation. And even then, he, he wasn't sure. Like okay. He wasn't taking, he, he wasn't going, well, you know, look at the role I'm playing here. And it's with Legend yeah. Evans' side. Look at the two goals I've just scored it. You know, Europa League chasing Brighton. Like, surely they're going to keep me. He was there saying, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But, like, you know, I think it's clear that he always wanted to stay. And I think there's a degree of, um, you know, I don't think it was self or self interest. I think there's a degree of, I think I think his I think his his affection for Everton is genuine, and I think we're probably seeing that in you know his performances at the minute and his celebrations. Like celebrations are genuinely joyous. You ain't getting bored of scoring, is it? Like, <laughs> well, on the flip side of that, he even celebrated um, ushering the ball out for for a goal kick when Mudrich um, had it and. Um, he sort of ushered him out and Everton got the goal kick. And I remember Amadou I'm, I'm Anana came over and there was a chest bump between the players. So it's showing they're not just celebrating scoring goals. There's that will to defend, Connor, you know, that yeah. it's on both sides of the pitch. And I think as well, just going back to the contract situation, yeah. it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because there was clearly a lot of talks got out Everton over someone who they can keep and who they can't keep. And there was clearly, I think, some tough decisions made. I think there was probably maybe one or two who might have been offered deals, but the club were in a position to quite offer them deals given the way. I think it's quite telling that he was one of the ones who they were so quick to tie down because they, they understood the importance, they understand that. I'm sure that's probably, probably the main one for saying we've got to keep this lad, you know, he's been instrumental to how good we've been in staying up. You know, we can build foundations and we've got him playing. So I think that's a big indication of how highly thought of he is under Sean Dyche, that he wasn't in that bracket of where a bit of uncertainty, perhaps he might be one of them. Well, in the normal time, we would, would have offered one, but these aren't normal times for us and we've got to make you know harsh cuts and look to move elsewhere. Yeah, I think one of the really interesting things we're going to see now is is, is what's going to happen with Idris Gay because obviously his mm-hmm. contract expires in, in the summer um, and Sean Deitch has been you know very, very vocal about praising Idris Gay over recent weeks and his performances and he's someone that I think probably 
we have assumed that Evan wouldn't offer a new deal because he's on huge wages. At his age. His age. Um, but again, you know, you start to look at the performances and it starts to, he's, he's making the case again for it to be, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things to work themselves out behind the scenes. That's obviously we know that, you know, that we don't know what's going to happen with the takeover yet. We don't know about deductions. We don't know about profit and sustainability for 2023, which gets assessed in the first fortnight of the new year. So obviously they probably can't make a lot of these decisions quite yet, but you know, at some point, like Decore clearly did at the back end of last season, there comes a point where it's less can we afford to keep him and it's more if we get rid of him, what can we afford to replace him and does that come to to anywhere near the same mm-hmm. standard? And that's Idrissa Gay is probably still you know, he's still got a lot to do, but maybe just start to make it maybe I don't know if you'd want to stay, you know, we I'm not sure, but like just start to make that case. It's going to be really interesting to see how Everton deal without him during the African Cup of Ages. Yes. So, obviously, Anana came in, did very well yesterday, and you know, you've got that Anana Decore. Garner Axis will probably give a little bit of freedom to take their time when they make a decision over Drissigay. So, um, it'll be interesting. Again, one of the big factors will probably be where Everton are come, come March next season. And, because it's feels uh, a type of position where you could, if you've got a couple of months leading up to the summer and you know you're going to be safe in the Premier League, well, you can probably, you can you can probably lay the you know, lay the foundations to move for a, a fourth and a fifth um, your choice centre midfielder on a free and you know, whereas well, obviously we can be proactive on that front and perhaps get a bargain, um, but if Everton end up in a, a relegation battle to the end of the season like they had in the past two. You can't do that and then you happen to kind of make last minute decisions and, and be reactive rather than proactive. I think as well, it'd be quite interesting to see what Sean Dyche just thought wearing on that little chest pump. Give me what is it? Uh, Lewis Thomas celebration yeah. post match. He wasn't too keen. Was he, he doesn't like people celebrating. Way, way he calls it and it's a great diet in the way. It was old fashioned Lewis Thomas celebrating. Lewis Thomas celebrating the goal in a good old fashioned way. So. Let's see what he thinks of that little yeah. chest bump big game for here from his two midfielders. Yeah, well, we'll just finish on, on Dobbin. Um, see a lovely moment, Joe. First, first Premier League goal, first goal for Everton as, as well. You know, he's had to work hard that loan spell at Derby County last season. So, um, yeah, yeah, of course, it was a, a of course, he was going to enjoy every moment of it, wasn't it? It was a, such a special moment for him. Yeah, it really was. He deserves it because, yeah. you know, he's. He's a player that emerged. I mean, it was a difficult summer for Everton. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. At the beginning of the summer, he wasn't the academy player on everybody's, mm-hmm. everyone's mind. You know, you know, there was Tom Cannon, who obviously played his first game for Leicester after coming back from injury the other day. And, yeah, still think will be a very good footballer. Um, you know, he had like to stand up. You're looking in that chairmanship of a Tom Cannon fan club, which was just, you know, I have not, no, like, I still like, you know, um, just I still think it's, it's going to be a decision that I end up regretting, albeit. Probably wouldn't quite be able to make that decision until we see how yeah. closely was a you know if they come if if they if they if they fall within the parameters of profit and state of it for twenty twenty three by you know five or six million because they got it for Tonka and then Yeah, there's a that different could be story. Yeah, 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 exactly. So <laughs> but yeah, you had him, you you got Sam Mills and Lewis Warrington who highly thought of obviously got out on loan, but you know the, they were ahead of Dobbin in the pecking order, you probably had a little bit of frustration over Isaac Price leaving. Uh, a lot of hope and I still there's a lot of hope for Francis Okoronk where you know, Dobbin 
yeah, did the hard yards to use his own nice phrase at, at Derby, but I mean his numbers weren't exceptional. He didn't go to League One and, and tear it apart. But clearly Dice saw something that he liked over the summer and, and, and he was on the stage and stayed in and around the first team squad that again has to be a, a, an acknowledgement that some of this was necessity. Yeah. As if there were a huge amount of options and at the time Clyman here was injured, Banjima was yeah, came and picked up an injury just as he was coming. There was a lot of yeah, there was a lot of flux we didn't see Carl until sport. We didn't know exactly, oh. you know. So, but obviously he was on the periphery and he stayed on the periphery. Then yeah, September comes round. Um, sorry, not September. November comes round. He's back in the other twenty ones. You know, he's back in the other twenty ones. Played the four or five games in, in, in a row, and yeah, you looked at that and you thought maybe the maybe just as a few more players are coming back to have come back to match fitness the Maybe there's an acceptance that you know he's a, an academy player at best, and then maybe might even look to loan him out in in, in mm. January or something like that. But since he's gone down, that you can understand for him, he might see that as a step back being on the bench so often for, for, for the, in the Premier League. But he's he's been brilliant. You know, he, he scored the goal against Athletic um, in the Spanish club, scored in the route at Southampton. He played against Monaco and um, absolutely tore them apart. Didn't get a goal, but you know they're at Walton Hall Park, and he, and he was. A, a class above everybody else on the pitch. Um, and it was really re- refreshing to see that he's gone down there. He's been given his chance to come straight back up. Well, he's, he's taken it. Yeah. He, he hasn't sort of gone down to the other 21s and, and sulked. He's, he's gone down there, tried his best and got his reward. It's another fantastic moment. And it's quite an interesting one because, you know, for all the concern people might look at, Evans Academy and what's happened to it with you know, the players that have left and how they've left over over the last year or so. And whilst one of the big things with Sean Dyche has often been the claim that he doesn't bring young players forward and give them opportunities, well, <coughs> one, you've got Dwight Manila there, who he gave his big chance to as a teenager at Burnley, and we can see he's still very young, but the impact he's having for, for Everton now, again under Dyche. You look at Ella Sims, you know, Lewis Dobbin had that wonderful moment on Sunday. Ella Sims had exactly the same for him. Yeah. And, and again, some of these rounds of Seth it didn't work out of Ella Sims and, and things like that. But players are still getting these moments and it is very nice to see. It. And I think that it, it just is another area that injects, uh, it's, a, it's another avenue to inject positivity into the club at the minute. You know, young players that have been in the academy for years coming in and doing well. You know, obviously Sims and, and Bradford are players that have been acquired later on in their teenage years, but Dobbins, you know, another Everton player that you was know, coming through the ranks. He's, he's got a moment. What happens next? Yeah, you know, I don't know, but even if even if nothing happens next, he's got that moment and you know, Dutch gave it to him and we've all enjoyed it. You know, I think we're all really, really pleased for Lewis. I think the big thing why it was a great moment and one that you know, was one that probably lived in memory for a long time. Yeah. But the one thing that stood out for me was what I said post-match when mm-hmm. he thought about last time he was stopping the goal and he, t- he said about, you know, well, it was, you know, we were taking him all, you know, time. Do you basically, we were going to ring ball because he obviously needs to freshen things up. I thought it was quite telling that Dobble got the nod over Dan Juma to come on. I think, you know, it was maybe a little bit of a, a, a push towards Dan Juma to maybe buck up his ideas and, you know, yeah. he's not quite being sure the same attitude as what Lewis Dobber is. I mean, we don't know that, but I just thought that was quite telling that in that time, Stage Steve Stoller and Wold felt Dolan was the best option than Dan Juma. Obviously, he's someone who's struggled for game time, Dan Juma, in recent weeks. 
when stuff like that starts to, to happen, you think mm. it's so interesting when Andy emerges because, like, at this point, you start to probably ask a few questions. Mm. One thing I'll probably say that if I don't make winning, we'd be asking a lot more questions. Well, that's, well, well, that's partly what I was going to say. The one thing I think about that Jima is he's probably the type of attacking player that you'd want to bring on whatever the chase of the game. Mm. But the reality is, it's been quite a while since I've been chasing yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, I mean, when you, when, you, when you look at when you want him coming in, it probably might not be when you one nil up trying to mm. you know fight for the last 10 15 minutes to, to hold on something like they have been against like they were against Chelsea like they were into the last stage against Newcastle like they were against Forest like they were against Palace and like they were against Brighton you know these probably are game situations where you would necessarily turn to Dan G but that being said yeah the, the lack of opportunity has been given out is is I think we're all noting it, aren't we, from watching mm. it with interest. I think it's quite interesting the club team was the Brentford game when he first dropped out, wasn't it, from the team. And then, obviously, given his chance to go Burnley in the Carabao Cup. I don't think he set the world like that. Well, I think he sent the, 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 the sort of a failed audition, wasn't it, in terms of without even playing to get back into the shoulders. I just think we haven't really seen him since. Well, the fact that we, he seems to be behind Jack Harrison in that support striker role, so... Yeah. You know, but the core, you got Harrison and, and Dennis. We assume it's dangerous. That again, you struggle to see where the opportunities are going to come for come from for him, unless injuries and suspension favours way. Whilst McNeil and Harrison don't have many suspensions, uh, they haven't got many yellow cards. So I don't think there's a suspension that's a worry. Teams are going to come thick and fast. But mm. I think Dan Juma's in that category where he he may this may well, he may well get a chance in the coming weeks just just because of the amount of games that are coming up and he probably needs to take it. Yeah. Well, I guess it would have been too much of a headline writer's dream for um, Dobbin to uh, hit the knockout blow against um, the equine aggressors of Newcastle United. I found that in my analysis. But uh, just before we we do finish, I just want to be on as all joking apart. Um, obviously, you got the the, the the goal against Chelsea there. Just before we finish, on a more serious note, um, for the second weekend uh, on the run, um, there were um, poverty. Poverty shaming chants from opposition supporters um, in, in an Everton game. Saw it at Nottingham Forest. I wrote a piece about it. Then Joe was saying about how it's a you know a very serious issue. Um, various um, um, categories for um, well, we, we hate crimes in, in the UK. And obviously, somebody's um, city of residency doesn't fall under that. I mean, but um, we, we it was poignant, wasn't it, that we saw it when Goodison Park on on Sunday when Chelsea fans were were coming out with that that chant and uh, the um, the food bank's uh, logo came up on, on, on the scoreboard. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realise at the time, but I think that's a, a, an actual tactic now that's being used that when, when the poverty shaming starts, that you know, the club starts to promote fan support of food banks and, and the contrast between you know a Merseyside-based supporter-led initiative between Liverpool and Everton has done so much good for the region and trailblazed around around the country. You know, the contrast between that and an away fan base singing those songs, you know, couldn't couldn't be more stark and you know, it's it's a, a very effective way of trolling the trolls, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just miserable. It's just there's there's no need for it. And, yeah. I know people try and put these in the category of football banter, but you know, relishing in other people's poverty is is in in difficult life situations. It's just it's just abhorrent and, and, and it just seems to be a, a, a thing that a lot of fan bases feel like they can label the Merseyside clubs and yeah. I think it's particularly not certainly not pleasant and I think it should be necessarily be acceptable and yeah, you've got grown men and women there that have you know, 
put all that money and effort and organisation into travelling up and down the country to come and watch a football match and decide that that's what they want to spend their time doing. It's 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 pathetic, isn't it? It's a sad and like society isn't that we live in now. Unfortunately, you know, these things are, are, are become the norm. Obviously, you know, it's not just Everton fans who've been you know targets this little profile of the world. Yeah. Why did some of them? In recent years, we going up for, for for a long for time. Decade, for, for a long time, yeah. And, you know, I think, yeah, it's, it's just really sad, and you know, you just you hope someday something is done about it because you know it's just ridiculous. I mean, they must even a minute on the clock yesterday when Chelsea yeah. first started singing that. You just think, of, you know, what did they get out? Why did they get an outside? You know, why don't they just concentrate the back on the team? You know, why are they so obsessed with poverty shaming? Uh, you know, a group of individuals from where yeah. from where they're from, and you know. It's just a shame, isn't it? Because, you know, Joe says they've got fans supporting on food banks. Obviously, you know, their motto is hunger doesn't wear it colours. And, yeah. you know, where it comes from Liverpool, you know, no one looks at the Merseyside divide or the football yeah. divide. It's, it's all helping others and, and give away you can. It's just a pity that other clubs in the Premier League don't follow suit because the world would be a better place if, if it did far. So, following that motto. Yeah. We could call it karma, but moments after you took that footage, um, Everton actually... Uh... Went ahead, Joe, so maybe... That's quite interesting. In that. Well, I just saw yeah. Jamie Carragher called out yesterday yeah. as well. I thought that was quite interesting that, you know, because it's, it's clear now, isn't it? It's clear yeah. today. You know, everyone can everyone can hear what's going on. It's becoming more and more, you know, something needs to be done about it. What, what will be done, we don't know, but something does need to be done about it. And like I say, if only the rest of the football followed by the motto, the Merseyside fans support and food banks, and the world will be a better place. Yeah, that was a good point to end on there. And... Uh... Thank you for joining us today. I've been your host, Chris Beasley. I've been joined by Joel Thomas and Conor O'Neill. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 